Hello everyone, welcome to episode 7 of The Potty Mullet, the fortnightly podcast series from the Victorian Fisheries Authority. This week we talk to three female fisheries staff from different parts of the organisation ahead of International Women's Day on Sunday 8th of March. Well, welcome to The Potty Mullet, you guys. Great to have you all here. Um, we should just start with going around the room. We've got Monique Lean, Rhiannon Atkinson and Rachel Wardell. Thank you all for coming in, it's fantastic. Let's, um, let's just kick things off and Monique... Tell us a bit about what you do. Give us a bit of an insight about what you do with the VFA and how long you've been a part of it. Sure. Um, I have been at the VFA now. This is my 12th year at the VFA, so it's been a while. And I have been lucky enough to play various roles over those 12 years. And I'm currently in our corporate services team, working in the office of the CEO, playing a strategy role. So I get to work across the whole organisation, really, and sort of try and help set the agenda and make sure everyone has what they need to do their job. But previously, I was a fisheries manager for oh. most of my career, having a um, marine science background. Um, but I've also been in communications roles at one point and um, intelligence, so I've kind of seen it all, really. Awesome. So there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of movement within yeah. the VFA and you've seen a bit of it. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? Uh, I'm a fisheries officer at the Alterna North Fisheries Station, so it's the local fisheries station in Melbourne. Um, I've been an officer for about 18 months, came in on the last recruitment, uh, one of the lucky ones that got through. Um, our patch runs from Werribee across to Mordialic and then up to Warrandyte area, and there's seven of us in, in this area, so big area and yeah. not too many of us to cover it really. Yeah, so you got your hands full for yeah. sure. Tra- Travelling some miles every day, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. A lot yeah. of time in the car. Yeah. <laughs> and Rhiannon, what about yourself? Uh, so I'm a fish stocking coordinator down in our Snubbles Creek fish hatchery. Uh, so what I do is I coordinate all our inland fish stockings. So at the hatchery we produce rainbow and brown trout, which we stock during the winter. And then over the summer we go pick up a lot of our native fish, uh, such as maricot and golden perch from... Uh, external hatcheries, mainly up in New South Wales, so always busy organising. And always been hands-on with fishing? You've always been, it's been a part of your life? Yeah, so I grew up uh, more marine fishing, um, so it was yeah, a bit of a shock to move inland. Um, wasn't very used to freshwater fishing um, at all, but yeah, I'm starting to love it now. So That's good, that's great. Rachel, what attracted you and what made you want to join VFA and be an officer in particular? Uh, well, it's a pretty good job. Yeah. Pretty cool job to start with. You can get some to- cool toys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> personally, I love the environment and I've got a bit of a passion, passion for conservation and I like sort of being able to be a bit of a voice for something that doesn't have its own voice. So obviously the, the aquatic life can't protect itself so it needs fisheries officers to be its guardian and its advocate. Um, and it's... Yeah, it's something not a lot of people get to do, so mm. it's pretty cool telling people about it. Most people that you speak to don't know what a fisheries officer is, so... Yeah, yeah. And, and Monique, I suppose 12 years, you said you've been a part of it. Is it a similar story for you? What made you get into it? Yeah, yeah, similar. I um, studied marine science at university, and I went into that just because I thought it was really cool. Mm. I didn't know what sort of career I could have at the end of it. But I quickly learnt that I was a terrible scientist and that was probably <laughs> not the career path for me. Um, but I was really interested in public policy and um, natural resource management. So I feel like I'm really lucky to be in an organisation that does that with an aquatic focus. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, 
and I suppose fishing itself at the end of the day that's what it's what it's all about and what VFA are here to to help build and and grow stronger are you all anglers do you all like to go fishing I'm not you don't um I fish a little bit when I was a kid going out with my uncle and stuff but I'm not super into it um most people will be surprised to know that not all fisheries officers are fishermen yeah um there's quite a few of us that aren't we care like it's not that we don't like fishing it's Mm. just um we're in it more for the environmental aspect and the enforcement aspect than than the fishing aspect um but there are obviously still plenty of fisheries officers that can answer all your fishing questions yeah yeah but they get thrown at me sometimes and i'm just (laughs) like oh let's have a look in the guide shall we (laughs) but yeah no i'm not myself and i guess that's a that is a point in that it's not all about just fishing is it you know there's there's so much more as you touched on with all the other um avenues and aspects around fishing itself which which you guys are major parts of too Mm -hmm. are you fisher person well i have a similar story i think to a lot of victorians that i when i was a kid we did a lot of fishing when i was on holidays yep and now i have um two young children and as they get older, they're a bit more interested in it. And I'm trying to find more things to entertain them on the weekend. So <laughs> we do go a little bit more often now. And we're really lucky to have a lot of family-friendly spots to go around us. So like Mornington Pier and yeah. similar locations are easy to kind of go and just have a go with the kids. We don't often catch anything. But <laughs> it's about the process. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Keeping the kids busy. Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of it. There are so many good places and easy places to take the kids not to mention the fact that all the stocking that's getting done is actually making fish catching more realistic for a lot of kids too. Um, Rhiannon, obviously you touched on your, um, your more coastal sort of fishing growing up and now the freshwater thing, you think you've got both fairly well in your graph now, grasp oh, now? I wouldn't say so. I, th- I think one of the guys has been trying to drag me out to fly fishing since I've started. Yeah. Um, haven't really got around to it yet. <laughs> um, bit worried that I'll be catching a few too many trees in that aspect. But, uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's been a, a lifestyle change as well because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm from down the Mornington Peninsula, so I'm used to fishing off um, Flinders Pier and um, out in the boat getting whiting and snapper and, um, yeah, a bit more shy with the trout at the moment, um, wrapping my head around freshwater <laughs> fishing. I'm like, if you can see the fish, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a bit of that. And I suppose you're getting, you're getting a, the first-hand insight and a perfect sort of education on the actual fish themselves. That part of the job... I find I'm really jealous of when I speak to people like yourself is that you I mean ultimately you guys know more about the fish themselves than than anyone is that side of it really cool like that learning about those particular species yeah well even when I went in as I said like I wasn't too um, knowledgeable in our freshwater fish Um, and a lot of my job is inside um, coordinating and on the computer and you know pretty much fight with Excel all day but when I do get the chance I, I go out and um, the guys do fish health checks or um, they're really good with, with sort of training me around the hatchery handling them identifying them like since being being at fisheries for about eight months I think I've learned more about trout than I have over my university degree so yeah yeah no doubt um, I'm interested in nominate in, t- in the 12 years I know I keep bringing that up but from your point of view is there been a massive change within the industry from from where you sit i mean whether it be sort of the recreational fishing itself or just the industry itself what are some of those big changes if there's been any oh that's an interesting question um i think there's yeah been slight changes 
Um, but it also might be the way I'm perceiving it and, yeah. and what I see and the, the place that I'm looking at it from. Um, recreational fishing in general is becoming far more diverse from what I can see. Mm. Um, and, I mean, that's demonstrated through we've got our Women in Recreational Fishing Network, which has been established now nearly two years, yep. coming up to the two-year anniversary. Um, and that has 2,000-plus members now. And you can just see that there's that real um, engagement with women from diverse backgrounds and abilities, wanting to have a go. So I think we're engaging with a real diverse range of stakeholders yep. now more so than we ever have from mm. my point of view. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And what about on the fi- out in the field? Are you, what sort of feedback are you getting at the moment? I mean, fishery, uh, fishing, recreational fishing in Victoria is probably as, in as good a position as it's ever been in terms of you know fish numbers and all that sort of thing. Yeah, well, I probably can't comment too much on it, given that I've only been in the job for a little while. But um, even just seeing the fluctuations in things, like we've got pinkies coming in this year a lot earlier than they usually do. So that's um, a significant thing. Usually this time of year, we'd be focusing a lot more on the intertidal zone, abalone, that kind of thing. Mm. But um, we haven't had the weather for that. And we've just seen heaps and heaps of small fish. Mm. but just listening to, speaking to fishermen out in the field, a lot of them are saying that they're noticing significant changes in, in the fisheries themselves. Yep. Mm. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's just they've had a bad day. <laughs> so they're like, oh, there's no fish left in the bay. But um, I think there is definitely changes. And in Metro, I suppose it's hard to see fisherman-wise, like, whether there's more fishermen or less, because we're just always busy. Mm. Um, but if you're in a more regional station, you might notice a few more people out and about. Um, we're still not checking a lot of women fishing. We're still not seeing a lot of that. Um, but they are here and there. Mm. Yeah, I'd imagine there's a few challenges that come with your particular role. What are, so, what are some of the main ones that you've found so far in, in your career? Um, so the <laughs> our job can look easy to people. Um, we get a lot of fishermen saying, oh, you know, you're out on the boat, it's be awesome, but it's <laughs> not all sunshine and rainbows. Mm-hmm. Um, we do meet some unfriendly people quite often. Um, we have to deal with uh, abusive, assaultive behaviour from people who are offending because no one likes to be caught, mm-hmm. um, which can be a bit of a challenge, particularly being a, a woman, when you've got a man twice your size yelling at you and getting in your space and... Um, You've got to try and defuse that situation. Um, we're not super equipped. We're not police, so we carry catsing and spray and, and things like that. But um, we have to rely a lot on our communication, and that can be something that a lot of people don't realise. And especially coming into the job, they're not used to it. Like I'm not someone that looks for conflict at all, um, and it's something I have learned pretty quickly in the job to be able to trust myself and. Um, being able to assert myself in those mm. situations. Um, but in Metro, we deal with that a lot more than, than other stations as well. You know, you go to Malacuta and everyone knows everyone. The local fisheries officers, are, you have to run it differently, whereas yeah. we have the advantage of never seeing someone again when we talk to them. Um, so that's a pretty big challenge. But the job in itself, we have to be a bit more not... Sneaky is not the right word, but 
we have to be able to pick the right times to intercept people because if someone's out on a pier catching undersized fish, we've been watching them. If we walk out there and they see us, they're just going to dump the fish and we've lost everything. So we need to be able to time what we do and work our job around being able to actually catch people with the evidence yep. um, because that happens a lot. People yep. just ditch it and then you can give them a warning but you've got nothing to go on. So yeah. um, we drive around in covert vehicles, we wear covert clothing um, because otherwise we just, we'd never get anyone doing the wrong thing. Mm. Mm. It certainly seems like a challenge. I mean, it, it's, it's sad that there are still quite a few people by the sounds of it and you see you, uh, lots of reports, you know, on the VFA social channels and stuff like that, which is good to see and it's good that it's being sort of publicised because it's making people probably think twice, hopefully, um, about doing the wrong thing. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's great that you're out there uh, doing your thing, but, you know, hopefully that side of your job decreases <laughs> because we'll see. we we'll see. yeah <laughs> there's always people yeah push the limits always yeah yeah it's never get rid of it <laughs> is it safe to say Rachel though that predominantly people are doing the right thing yeah yeah in? look the majority of people are doing the right thing um we obviously as enforcement officers are targeting the people doing the wrong thing so we might not speak to everyone so they say we never see you we never see you but that's because we stop watching for a bit they're doing the right thing we move on um, because we don't have all the time in the world to be talking to every single fisherman in melbourne (laughs) Um, so we definitely target offenders um, because that's how we get our work done Um, but it is majority of people doing the right thing yeah yeah what about um what about some challenges within your role monique is there some of it that's that's quite challenging um i think the the biggest challenge in my role is also probably what makes it so exciting is it's so varied and, um, you know, one day I could be working on something that's administrative, like um, board papers or risk assessments, and then the next day it could be a stakeholder engagement and events and, or recording a podcast. <laughs> um, so I have to learn on my feet a lot, yep. um, which is good for me professionally and personally, but it can be challenging yeah. at times. Yeah. And, Rhiannon, I think, um, I think with any sort of um, breeding programs or stocking programs, you have to deal with something you can't quite control with it being the weather and the conditions and that sort of thing is that would that be one of your biggest challenges or are there what are some of the real serious challenges that you're faced with in your role um so the hardest thing is to get stocking locked in for a certain day around a certain time well sometimes we have yeah weather events we can usually work around but then we also can have drivers rock up to waters and be like oh there's only a meter worth of water and then i have to figure out where we're going to put these fish um, because we don't want to overstock other waters mm. but we also want to make sure, sure that they get stocked otherwise they you know they won't survive um, and I think a lot with as everyone else has sort of mentioned a big one is just stakeholder relations um, and just keeping in contact with all the anglers uh, especially with our native stockings uh, there's a lot of angling clubs that have been involved in helping out for uh, 20 to 30 years um, so keeping them in the loop is important um, a lot of chasing up um, but yeah, there's there's plenty to to keep me on my toes. Yeah. What about the flip side of that? Some of the real exciting and, and rewarding, I guess, moments um, within your role. Oh well, just to see it get done, like just to successfully say we've put so so amount of certain fish in this water. Yeah. And they're now going to grow up, and people are going to be able to go fishing and catch them in a couple of years. Um, or if we do some of our family fishing waters, which is we have a lot of uh, metro-based waters, um, those ones you can go grab straight away. Yeah. Yeah, so. 
And Monique, some of the rewarding moments for you? Um, uh, I think uh, one of the, re the rewarding things is um, being able to report and demonstrate how much is happening across the organisation. You know, I recently led the development of our strategic plan and now putting that in place and reporting against it, I get to sort of talk to everyone across the organisation and document all the great things that are happening. So um, that could be really rewarding because, mm. I mean, I might not have even known something was happening until it's done and I think, wow, yep. that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to throw this one, um, Rhiannon and Rachel, to you guys. We, Monique spoke about, I suppose, your movement within the industry over the 12 years of being a part of it, Monique, but... Um, you guys have sort of been more short-term in your role so far. What are you, Rachel, long-term or maybe the next sort of five or six years hoping to achieve um, within your job? So I don't have necessarily a five-year plan. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm still sort of I'm pretty well settled into the role now and I'm happy where I am. Um, so I'm just kind of going to do my job and yep. take opportunities when they come and see where it takes me. Um, most people will end up moving on to senior fisheries officer positions, so that might be something I might look into. Um, but at the moment, I'm pretty happy just sitting pretty as a fisher. Yeah. What about moving sort of areas? Can you is there opportunity to move around a bit? That like you mentioned, you know, Malacuta is a bit more of a relaxed environment. Yeah, yeah. I can't see myself ever going to Malacuta, <laughs> but um, there is definitely a lot of scope for movement. Yep. Um, we've got stations all over the state. Um, but it does lean a little bit on people retiring or moving on. Um, and a lot of the time when you become a fisheries officer, that's that's your career, that's your life. So we've got a, a lot of fishers that will be here until they retire. Um, so it can be a little bit of a waiting game, particularly for really popular stations. Yep. Um, Metro tends to have a pretty decent turnover of staff because we're busy all the time and um, it, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we deal with a lot of people. Yeah, and sure. Um, so Queenscliff, Mornington are really popular places because they've kind of got the best of both worlds there. Um, but it kind of just, for me, I'm happy where I am. Um, I like being busy and I think I'd, I'd get a bit bored maybe <laughs> if I was... You spend yep. a lot more time driving, say, at the inland stations, they've got less water. So they can spend hours in a car driving to a lake or something and then get there and there's no fishermen. Yep. So um, I can go five minutes down from the office down to the Altona foreshore and there's fishermen galore. So I, I kind of like that aspect yeah. and I see myself staying in this in this sort of role yeah. in Metro for a while. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, and Rhiannon, I suppose the um, there's a lot going on in your space at the moment. So, I'm, you know, leads me to think there's a lot of opportunity. Do you feel that way? And, and what are you hoping for the next sort of few years for yourself? Um, so I'm sort of the same. I don't really have a five-year sort of plan because um, I've only been here for about eight months now um, I'm happy in the position um, and the good thing about where I work is we've only got a handful of full-time staff so actual job positions are pretty flexible so if, if anyone ever needs help outside I can put my hand up um, and go help there's always heaps of training and learning opportunities as well so um, don't feel too tied down where I am um, and then I can also get involved with our actual stockings as well. So yeah, it's it's a pretty good, um, comfortable workplace. And and with that, um, your job in particular, Rhiannon, obviously affects a lot of people, a lot of anglers, because you know with stocking programs and so forth, gives people opportunity. Do you hear much from the recreational anglers around the state or around your particular area about you know that they're 
they're happy. They're happy with the way things are and, and, you know, justifying your job, so to speak. Yeah, well, there's the handful of guys that are always keen to just call up and be like, oh, I just caught this massive cod <laughs> in Everyone here. likes to brag, <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, because a lot of the times I have to get into contact with the anglers first, um, they'll usually call back or I'll call them at the end of the day. They'll give me feedback and be like, yeah, it was great, it's fantastic. Um, and a lot of them are locals, so they actually constantly fish those waters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I usually do hear pretty good feedback um, from everyone. I've only been here for, for you know, not too long, but obviously over the years um, we've had waters that you know fisheries have sort of taken off, and it's yeah. it's pretty good to, yeah. to know that you're that one small person behind getting that success. So that's great. That's great, and I, I think you know throughout this um, series so far and other episodes talking to different people you know Victoria certainly seemed to be leading the way uh, with a lot of things in around for Australia so it's it's fantastic um Monique your feedback from the you know general sort of population I guess on on all the avenues that you've been involved in is it pretty positive um this day and age yeah yep and I probably have had less of a direct role in stakeholder engagement in the last couple of years um but when I worked in fisheries management um that was 50% 50% of what I did was yep. um, mostly working with the commercial industry. Yep. So it, feedback can be really mixed, yeah. particularly when you're um, talking about someone's livelihood and their licences. Um, but certainly in looking at where VFA is going, I think that there's such great feedback and really big changes and movements happening that mm. um, benefit Victorians and commercial fishing and recreational fishing. Yep. Um, so, yeah, from where I'm sitting now, I can certainly see a lot of feedback coming yeah. through. That's good. That's good. And what about you when you're out and about, Rachel, just talking to or if you're engaging with some of the, the, the anglers that you come across? Is I know obviously that we've spoken about, you know, there's sometimes it, it can be a bit sort of confronting if it's if they're particularly if they're doing the wrong thing, obviously. But for yeah. the most part, is the communication pretty good? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, we ta- we target offenders. So yeah, um, most people are pretty good. They just cop it on the chin. They know they've done something wrong, um, or they don't know that they've done something wrong, and they learn from it. Um, but we do hear a fair bit from the guys at the at the ramps and things mm. like that, um, which is, you know, they're kind of like the first ones to know about any changes in the recreational fishing, whether something's happening, whether there's not as many snapper in the bay, whatever. They're kind of like the, the first port of call because they're getting the live recount of what's going on. They're yep. out there for hours and they come in with nothing when usually the year before, year before that, year before that, they're coming in with something. Um, they kind of know the trends, especially the older guys, the older fishermen that have been going out for 40 years mm. or so. Like, yep. um, So that it can be interesting and it can be hard too sometimes. We get posed some pretty interesting questions about... Um, you know, what policy and plans there are in place to try and fix things that they see as an issue, um, which can be hard for us because that's, you know, that's not our yeah. role. We, we check, catch and enforce rules and we educate as, as well as we can. But when it comes to making the laws or making the rules or policies, that's that's not our yep. job. Yep. Um, so it can, it it's definitely can be tricky our job relies solely on communication. Yep. So if you're not a good communicator, you're not going to make it as a fisheries officer. Yep. You have to be able to placate people and deflect things and, 
be able to pull things from places that you didn't <laughs> even know existed and and figure it out as you go. Yeah. Yeah. And communication's kind of a key um, factor in all of this, isn't it? I mean, the the beauty of um, an industry like fishing is, like we said before, everyone wants to talk about it, particularly if they're catching fish. But to your point about, you know, questioning things that are happening, whether it be from a policy's point of view, Monique, like do you take on, obviously with things like social media, anyone can sort of get in touch in some format. Mm. Do you take on much of that and sort of think, all right, we're getting a lot of feedback about a particular topic, can we try and inform and, and communicate that message, whatever it may be, a bit larger scale so everyone's more aware of what's happening or yeah yeah absolutely um i think we're very responsive to mm. the um feedback that we're receiving as you said now with social media it's more readily available to us yeah. the feedback i mean we just went through um a review of our fisheries regulations and part of that was the stakeholder consultation and i'm um, trying to gauge where we need to go and what yeah. needs changing um yeah I'm sorry, I don't have the question. No, I guess it's it's around that, you know, that yeah. communications piece and when you get mm. feedback and receive it, you know, or, you know, and it might be as blunt as you should do this, but but if you hear a, hearing a bit of the same sort of thing, do you, is it something you take on and go, you know what, maybe we can expand on this and just maybe educate a little bit more? We are doing it, but maybe we just need to put it out there a bit more or, you know, whether it, if it's something that keeps coming up from people out in the out in the field, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, well, oh, that's a good point. And um, I think that's something our communications team and education team probably have to take into account a lot in um, what we're publishing and mm. what we're um, trying to educate on and, and where there are some confusions. Yeah. Our recreational fishing guide is redone every year. Yep. So in doing that, we take into account what people aren't getting right or yeah. what they're asking a lot of questions about and what we need to make a bit more clear. Um, so, yeah, there's that constant evolution of yeah, the information. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, uh, look, a lot of people that might listen to this are probably following the Facebook page and so forth. But if not, I mean, it's a, it's a great tool and, and mm. VFA do fantastic stuff in putting out information like you're talking about and just general updates and any reports from, from you guys about yeah. anyone doing the wrong thing and so forth. I'm interested to know, um, Rhiannon, I might start with you, about if you – and. If you're, if you're getting if you're chatting to people who might have a bit of an interest or or just asking a bit about your job but then they sort of find that it does sound interesting because it is obviously what are some of the key things that you would communicate to those people about why they should pursue a career with fisheries and, and in particular your area of the stocking and breeding programs um, so for where I am it's a lot more hands-on um, which is really good to sort of get that experience but then also still have that office work as well, um, know how to do data inputting, um, and then there's also, yeah, communication. Um, and, and the communication is just something you develop over time as well. I mean, I don't think I've chatted to that many anglers in my life than I have in <laughs> eight months. Um, <laughs> but then, yeah, as I said, you get their hands-on experience as well. So we've, we've got the hatchery side. So if you're interested in actual fish production or, or management um, and even just general hatchery maintenance, um, there's all that there. So I'd say for my role, um, just to be confident and comfortable and know that what you're doing is creating a positive outcome and um, involving everyone that's involved to just make sure everyone's happy. Yeah, yeah. And what about you, Monique? What about getting involved in 
VFA if people are really wanting to, and I, I know there's a process, but some of the key things that you would suggest if, if someone, um, or some of the key points to your particular role that might be valuable to someone looking to a yeah, career? Sure. Well, I guess there are uh, so many roles within the VFA. You don't yeah. need a particular um, course of education. You just keep an eye out. And I don't think we need to generate interest. There are probably a lot of people who are really interested sure, sure. in coming to the um, VFA. But I would just say um, put your hand up and, you know, throw your hat in the ring if something does come up because um, it's it's a very inclusive environment and um, great working conditions and um, there's no reason not to have a go. And what about the recruitment process of, of officers? Um, how often is that? So they recruit fisheries officers every two to three years. Yep, yep. Um, So it's not super often. Some people will take a few recruitments to, to sort of get in yeah um it's a pretty intense process it's very competitive um the recruitment i came in on had around 900 applicants and there was only 10 positions so from the pool of people that want to be a fisheries officer not many people get through and and that's you know your next three years until you wait for your next chance um we, so this was 2018, I started the recruitment process um, and that was in May and then we didn't start training until October. So it's it's about six months to get through that recruitment process yep. of first applying to getting the job mm. um, and that involves going in for psychometric testing, um, academic testing, so you sit down, you fill out English and maths test kind of thing and um, which isn't... It's, it's not super important, um, but obviously you need some level of weeding people out. Basically, if you've got such a huge um, pool of people, it can be hard to to pick. Yep. Yeah. Who, sure. Who's going to fit in? Um, and the psychometric testing, especially, is really important because yep. it it lets the recruiters know where your headspace is and whether you're going to be able to deal with stressful situations. Um, everyone can go and talk to a friendly fisherman. Not everyone can deal with um, some of the the abusive stuff we not get. So, not so friendly um, people. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a matter of being able to stay assertive but not getting aggressive yeah. because you'll you'll extrapolate the situation into something that yeah. you don't want to go there. Um, so then once you once you've done that initial sort of paper testing, you you move on to a phone interview, then a panel interview, and then a final assessment day, where you do more um, group based stuff with other other potential recruits. And they sort of see how you work with other people. Um, you run through a scenario of someone aggressive coming to you. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You walk out. You think you're just going to take details of a car and then, boom, someone's yelling at you. Um, and then once you get through that, you do 10 weeks training at, um, at Queenscliff once yep. you've got the position. Um, and then we go to our stations. So... There's and a bit in it. Yeah. And it's, look, it's like anything, I guess. It's not for everyone. But speaking to you and, and even off air, obviously, it's something you're very passionate about. What What is it that you love about it the most? I I love working outdoors. I like being able to... And you get a fair bit of freedom too. Like you can sort of target what you want to target and it's ever evolving. There's always things changing and, and new things to do. Um, it's pretty satisfying when you catch something doing someone intentionally doing something really bad and then you can take them to court and and seeing the court results um that's probably one of the the more rewarding parts of the job and other times you can take the court and they get nothing so it can also not be the most rewarding (laughs) part but um that's 
really for me what it's about is being able to limit the damage that gets done to the resource yep. because if if we weren't there to try and mitigate that it would be a free-for-all yeah that's great and that's on the back of your passion about it which is yep. which is fantastic what could you say in a, in a snapshot or a summary Monique about what you love about what you do oh a snapshot um <laughs> I I guess I love uh, the people and the passion, like not just within the VFA, but from the community. Like a, a lot, there's a lot of people that love fishing and seafood and just the mm. marine and freshwater environment in general. So um, I just love that it's so interesting, an interesting place to work. Yeah. yeah. I've enjoyed um, the experience of doing this particular podcast and meeting um, all of you guys and lots of different people from within VFA. And one thing that... I keep saying is that, you know, Victorian fishing, Victorian recreational fishing has never been in better hands. It's great. It's great to meet the people that, you know, behind the scenes, so to speak. And hopefully that's what this podcast is about too, giving people a bit of an insight into who you guys are and what you do and, and all the all the hard work you do to make our life easier and, and better, I suppose, for recreational angling. You mentioned seafood. I've got to ask a question. You all deal with fish in some way or another within your job. Have you got a particular seafood dish that you love the most what do you love to eat Rhiannon uh, I'm pretty boring I, I, <laughs> I am not keen on prawns um, I'm happy with my fish <laughs> <laughs> Just get, yeah get me a, a flake or yep. a snapper or a whiting and some tomato sauce <laughs> and that will do me what about you Monique oh, uh, my family and friends know if seafood linguine is on the menu that's what I order yeah. so very good very dish. good mm. I know you're not mu- much of a fisher yourself I'm but a little bit the same as Rhiannon on this one um, fish and chips is sort of my <laughs> go to I uh, don't mind the odd bit of calamari or um, I tried abalone for the first time on recruitment Very and good. didn't hate it as much as I thought I would <laughs> so you know there is scope for, for improvement there but um yeah, I'm more of a steak girl. Got the tastiest, <laughs> tastiest fish in the in in the world, I reckon, in Victoria. It's, we're very, very lucky. Um, well, thank you guys so much. This has been great, and and it's been a really good insight into what you all do. And certainly, a lot of faces out there with the VFA shirts on or the uniforms on. I'm sure you guys would be open to have a chat to anyone who wants to come up and say good day. Yeah, I just want to mention, like, we all talked about communicating with our key stakeholders and local anglers, but we always want to encourage just anyone else around or local if they see any of us um, just out in the field to feel welcome to come up and say hi and we're happy to answer any questions that people have um, whether that be about either getting into fisheries or just fish itself um. yeah absolutely that'd be great I think uh, I think you'll you'll get some people coming up to you asking about where the new where the fish are being stocked next round but that's that's a great point and i'm sure rachel you're in the same boat anyone who's uh sees you guys out and about you're more than happy to have a chat about what's happening yeah yeah definitely we're always ready to stop and have a chat to anyone particularly if you've got questions about um joining and and getting a role um in particular women there's not a lot of us and and we do need some more um we bring a totally different aspect to the role um, and it would be great to see some more women and fisheries officers. Yep, definitely. Well, once again, thank you guys so much. It's been awesome to chat to you all, and, uh, you know, hopefully we get a chance to sit down together later on and have another chat. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. Luke. Thanks thank for you. having us. Subscribe to The Potty Mullet to get new episodes first and continue the conversation on The Potty Mullet Facebook group. 
You can also jump aboard the VFA Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages for all the latest fisheries news.